Thanks, man. Well, good morning. Let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. God, thank you for uh, just a, a good air-conditioned room. We're grateful for that, God, and in these hot days, Lord. And we, we just, uh, Lord, we ask you to speak to us right now as we open up your word and as we um, kind of look into your scriptures, Lord, timeless truths, Lord, and as we just kind of lay things down before you and, and try to listen, Lord, I pray you give us the ability to do that. Pray against all distractions, Lord, things that would keep us from hearing from you this morning, Lord, because I know that there are some things you want to communicate to us, God. And so, God, I just ask you for the ability to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to, it's good to see all of you here. Today we're in, uh, in the middle of a message series. We've been looking at some of the twists um, that come up in life, and we've talked about who's behind the twisting, who's the deceiver, um, the devil, God's enemy, and how he goes and he twists things in our world just enough to where we get off track, but not so much that we would recognize who's really behind it and run the other direction. Because if he made everything so clear and simple, then we would spot, oh, that's a deception, that's a lie, I'm going to run the other way. So the way the enemy works is he twists things in a way that are just, they're subtle. And so... We've been looking at a few different twists, and so we're going to continue on with that as we look at the area of pain and suffering today. Uh, Pain and suffering is something we're all familiar with. Every single one of us faces trouble in our life. And it comes to different seasons, different times, in different shapes and forms, but we all face trouble, and when we're facing trouble, all sorts of things come up in our minds. uh, But one of the ironies of pain and suffering is that it, it really is the shortest route to God for most of us. When the bottom drops out, things suddenly overnight, or in a moment or in a phone call, when suddenly things just kind of go chaotic, believers, unbelievers, agnostics, atheists, everybody suddenly in those moments take a look up to God. It really is a time where we examine things. There's a quote from a guy named C.S. Lewis I wanted to share with you. You may have heard this before. It says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is, it's really like his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Everybody listening to this message, all of us at different points, have had times in our life where pain has caused us to look to God and ask a question, which is typically the question is why. Why is this happening? And the reason we want to know why is because it's in you and it's in me to try to make sense out of things in life. We don't just like to fly through life without understanding. And so we want to make sense out of everything that goes on. And in knowing why, it it won't make the pain go away. But there's a sense in which if we can understand a little bit more about pain in general and, and suffering, that might help us endure the loss. That might help us endure the suffering of the trials better. If somehow we can kind of connect the little dots and make sense of of everything that's going on in life. And so, we look up. We ask God, why? Why me? Why him? Or she's so young. Why couldn't that have been me? Or why this way? Why this time? Why, Why would you let this happen again, God? And all of these questions behind that is, we want to know that there's purpose beyond our pain. 
Isn't that true? We want to know that there's something going on, that this is leading us somewhere. And we're asking God, God, would you make sense of some of these things? I just got to see that this is leading into something good. Because if this is just random, if there's no purpose at all, if this is just chance, then there goes my faith. There goes all my confidence in God. And we wrestle with this whole question. And, but it's, it's in us. This is in you, it's in me. To sometimes, when it comes up, to begin to ask questions and ask why. Because if I can understand it, then I might be able to endure it. We're going to show some videos. Um, there's going to be one in the beginning here and then one near the end. And so this first video is, is from Phil and Shauna Carmona. Um, this is excerpts out of an interview. Just so you know, there's about an hour long video. Or the interview took about an hour and it's been edited down. And so um, there's, there's sound bites. There, in, in this setting, with what we were able to do, there's sound bites out of, this, out of you know, that conversation that one of our staff members had with them about some things they went through. And so this isn't, you're not going to get all the details. You probably have more questions. And, and they're part of our congregation, probably recognize them. But they're going to be sharing about some unexpected events in their life. Something that they didn't ask for, they didn't elect for pain in this way, but this is, let's take a look together. Alright, so we just had our first toddler, our first baby, Kate, and he was six months old when we found out that Sean was pregnant again. All of her life, Sean has been talking about wanting twins and how she's going to have twins. As time went on, she was four months pregnant when there were some complications that we had and the doctor ordered Sean to be on bed rest. Then that Tuesday, the 18th of August, I started feeling contractions like fast, like one minute apart. But by three, we were going into emergency C-section. Mind you, this is gestational age. The babies have been inside me for 23 weeks and five days. Um, that's 16 weeks early. We didn't hear any crying or anything, so the babies came out. And they did wheel the babies over near us, and they were wrapped up in, like, cellophane or something and had a tube and were in an incubator isolate. They were born weighing a pound and a half each and 12 inches long. 12 inches long. I mean just as tiny as you could possibly imagine. Like they wouldn't even have helped them survive if they were born, you know, just days earlier. I wasn't really able to talk to them. I didn't really want to touch them. I was in a really bad place as far as my emotions and just totally shut off, like having no emotions whatsoever. Just by the statistics that they would have a 20% chance of survival. And uh, with that survival, that it would also um, be accompanied by several disabilities. It wasn't just one disability, it was a whole host of things. I remember clearly at six weeks, the doctors came in and told us, you know, these are all the risks. We sat around with a few doctors and nurses and different staff, a social worker. At that point, they said that they were going to recommend that we in support for them. And that meant you know, pulling the plug and letting them die. And that was something we weren't really prepared to hear. It wasn't anything we wanted to make the decision about. I mean, no one really wants to be put in that position to determine life or death for their babies. Um, but we had to do that. 
really showed us and, and really helped us along the way of little reminders that he was really involved. And we found out that our window was closed and we couldn't, we weren't able to make that decision of pulling support or not pulling support. That made it super clear that God was in this and he wasn't leaving. Um, I just felt like he was holding our hand, he was walking beside us. Um, and from that point on, I just felt really, really comforted knowing that um, he answered that huge prayer and that we didn't have to go through that. We knew one thing for sure, that we had no power, we had no control over any of this, because nothing had pulled our mind at all from when we got pregnant to, you know, when they were born or any of these things. It, it's God's will that these babies are with us. It's because he chose us to be their parents. And that's one thing I just keep remembering that God chose you. You are, you, there's a reason that you are their mom. Um, that really helps. It was, there were many times that uh, as we're going through it, I had to question if we were being punished for sins or our own wrongdoings. And, and now this was, this was our punishment that we weren't going to have that family that uh, we had always envisioned. So, of course, you know, just falling on our knees and, and praying and asking for forgiveness and for God to get us through. Um, but there, there's no question. I just knew that, that God was in control and, you know, I knew that He loved us. And so many times we were just reminded of our, of our powerlessness, you know, and just knew God was in control. And it, it was a hard thing to, to take to know that, you know, maybe He wouldn't choose us that for us. But, saw in there, that was probably the ring that was, that was around um, one of the little guy's uh, foot, or I think legs maybe, um, his ankle, and uh, one of the, when they were that tiny, and so just, um, you know, God really did just, you know, the boys are, they're, they're with us, they're probably in the nursery right now, and so, uh, but in that story, you know, there, there's still, there's probably, there's still, it's still going on. I mean, they're, they're still caring for um, their boys. But in that story, we get a little bit of a glimpse into their perspective. We get to see some of what God was doing in their own lives through that. Some perspective that they had. Some things that um, really is, is hard to understand or describe, vocalize until you're walking through pain. To, to really know, and it's in times like that that we're, we begin to dig deeper into our faith, dig deeper into, our, into the scriptures, crying out to God, asking for clarity. And um, But there, there really is a, a perspective that got them through that, and that will continue to lead them through parenting now, and, and just, um, now they have three little ones, and they've got their hands full. And But as you heard, you know, they had all these questions come up, just like we would. 
why did this happen? Did we cause this? Was there something that we did? You heard Phil um, ask that question. They, they use this as a time to kind of examine. And that's normal. That is a natural response to pain. Even Jesus on the cross. Jesus was hanging on the cross. And Jesus predicted his own death. He predicted his own punishment. What would happen? He predicted his own resurrection. But while he was hanging on the cross... One of the phrases that he said is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was like he was saying, I need to know that there's a purpose. Because right now all I'm feeling is abandonment. And he was crying out to his father and saying, God, I know you're in control. But in his pain he cried out to his heavenly father and he said, I need, I need some context right now. And that is, that's very, very normal. That brings up the twist that, that I'm looking at this morning. The twist is this. We wrestle with this often. It's in your outline. The twist is God is mostly good and sometimes fair. This is a statement that is that is that we wrestle with. And it, it's it's not a true statement, but it's slightly twisted to where we begin to buy into things like this to where we begin to question. And sometimes our questions go down the wrong road and lead us to the wrong place. And so, but that's the twist. In our pain, these different thoughts creep in. Some of you have had painful wounds that have not healed. Some of you have lost jobs and you're still unemployed. Some of you have lost loved ones and, and now you're alone. And so, it's hard not to feel a little ripped off. Or, or not a little. Maybe it's hard not to feel ripped off completely. And so you may be wrestling with many, many questions. Or what do we do with the story of Lazarus? Lazarus is Jesus' friend. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus was sick. He was dying. And his sisters called for Jesus. And Jesus didn't come. In fact, Jesus knew Lazarus was sick. And he said, let's wait here. If you know the story, it says Lazarus, he died. And they buried him. And then Jesus comes. Later he comes. And Mary and Martha meet him on the road. And... And they did what all of us would ask in our pain and suffering. They asked him a question. Jesus, why didn't you come? You could have kept him from dying. Why did you come so late? Why even come now? You, you, can, you can imagine the questions that were running through their, through their heads. And again, they're not asking to take away the pain. They weren't asking him to do anything necessarily about it. But they had questions because they wanted to know how to make it. They wanted to know how to move forward. And so... This is very much in line with what we do. We, we really try to connect all the little dots that are going on in our life. And sometimes we're able to connect them and other times we're not. Um, we try to put the pieces together and I understand why we do that because I've done that myself. I, I look at things that go on in my family and my kids' lives and my own life. Things that haven't, we haven't been able to shake. And I'm like, I, I'm trying to piece it together. But today what I want to do is I want to look at what the scripture says because God has connected the dots for us in the Bible. He's connected the dots that he wants us to know about. And so I want to look at some of these things from, from um, the scripture. And there's one disclaimer real quick before we launch into what the scripture has to say. The answer that we're going to look at is not emotionally satisfying. The passages that we're going to look at, it gives perspective. It doesn't take away pain. It, it is not going to make you feel better about the way that your life might be going or, or what has happened in your life. And, uh, but this perspective can help with endurance. And I, and I wanted you to hear what God has to say in hopes that it would bring comfort. So if you have your Bibles, um, 
We're going to be looking at the book of Romans, and it's the sixth book of the New Testament. The verses will be on the screen, they're also in your outline. These are complicated verses, and I've tried to narrow down this passage, and it's pretty difficult to do. This is a very rich passage, and what I'm going to have to do is fly through it, and you're going to have to look back at it again later and kind of study it slowly and try to understand it more fully. Um, but what Paul's doing in this passage, he's giving us the whole context of pain and of suffering as he connects three major dots that God has given to us. And I want to give you the three dots before we look any further. The, the dots are this. God wants us to know something about the beginning, the meantime, and the end. He wants us to understand some things about what happened in the beginning, what happens now in the meantime, or what 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 should be happening right now in the meantime and then what will happen in the end these three major dots are the things that God has communicated or he's revealed to us to help us endure through difficult times but let's look at Romans chapter 8 verse 18 it says this it says I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing now he just he's a guy who was familiar with suffering he was not a stranger to being in a tough situation Paul was a guy He'd been beaten, stoned, shipwrecked. He'd lost his family. He'd lost his money. He'd practically lost everything that he had. And still he elected to follow Jesus Christ. So he's saying, he's going through all of this trouble in his life. And he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. So suddenly, he pulls out of the present context of suffering. He pulls out of that. And he says, there's something in the future, there's something at the end that we're going to look at here. There's something we have to look forward to. And then we're thinking, Paul, I I want to talk about right now, I want to talk about how I feel in the meantime. And he's saying, it's almost like Paul's saying, now's bad. Everything that we're experiencing now is pretty bleak. What's happening now is nothing compared to what's going to be like in the end. We've got something to look forward to. And then he... He, again, he just kind of wrenches us out of our current context of pain and he looks to the future. Verse 19 says, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Again, he's looking for something that is going to happen down the road. And we're kind of reading this passage and it's not all that clear. God, Paul, what are you talking about? The sons of God to be revealed? It's almost like Paul knew that this wasn't going to make sense. And so he says, okay, let me tell you what I mean by this. And he continues, and it will give clarity to what, to what he's talking about. He takes us back to the beginning. He says, if we're going to understand how we're feeling right now, or what's going to happen in the end, we've got to start back to the beginning. So, verse 20, here's the very first big dot. It says, for the creation, this is the very beginning of the creation, everything that was created, the heavens, the earth, the people, everything, was subjected to frustration, he says. Frustration is a word that carries the weight of depravity and perversion. He's saying everything that has been created was subjected to frustration. Not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Here's what he's talking about. He's saying, look, here you are, and here's what you need to understand. There's this big dot, and this is in your outline. In the beginning, here's that major dot, sin entered the world. Sin came into the world. And because sin entered the world, then God judged all creation. Everything was judged because sin entered the world. He judged the relationship between the creation. He judged all people. He judged everything when sin entered the world. And death followed. So we weren't designed to die. We were designed to live forever. But because sin entered the world, death followed. And so now the whole world has been cursed 
and has been judged and sin has reigned and has had its way in our world ever since. That's the first big dot Paul's trying to communicate. He's saying, if you're going to understand the meantime, the present context of suffering, you have to understand what happened in the very beginning. The first man, Adam and Eve, the first woman, they, they rebelled and we have followed suit. But because sin entered the world, now we're under this curse that we can't get out from under. And he goes on, he says, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. He's talking about the effects of sin now. You know why your back aches in the morning? It's because we're in bondage to decay. This, is, this goes back to the beginning. Do you know why you can't see anymore? It's because you're in bondage to decay. Do you know why your hair might be falling out? Your hair might be turning gray? It's because you're in bondage to decay. And I'm in bondage to decay. This is the effects of sin entering into the world. And we try to figure all this stuff out and, and we work really hard at trying to figure out and connecting all the dots that God's just saying, you're in bondage, you're decaying, you're, you're breaking down. And again, we think, well maybe if I would have done this differently or maybe if I would have been a better parent or this, and God's going, you know what, you can talk about all of those smaller things but there's something major that happened in the beginning of time that has it has a major impact on what you're experiencing now. We were born this way. It's not necessarily just because A plus B equals, but sometimes that's the case, but not necessarily. The truth is, we all have been born into a world that is breaking down. Look at this next verse. It says, We've been brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains as in the pains of childbirth, right up until this present time. Again, there's this pain, childbirth is painful. He's talking about the way that sin has impacted our world and how painful it is for all of us who are a part of the world. And then, but he says, right up until this present time, now we're getting into the meantime, like the now, the life that we're living right now. And he says, let me just give you some history. Since sin has torn everything up in our world, it's not just that something in your world broke, but the whole world is broken. It's not just that something in your marriage is broke, but the whole world is broken. Again, it's not just something that in your career that has broke, but the whole wide world is broken. And what's happened to your child, your health, your career, it's just a manifestation of a much bigger thing that has went on in our world since sin entered. And we're groaning under the burden of sin ever since. And none of us are exempt. None of us can hide under a rock. None of us can take shelter from this. All of us experience this. And then he, and he continues to shift into the meantime. Verse 23 says, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our... Read that next word. Of our, of our bodies. It's important to hear this because this is a concept that comes out of Scripture that we don't always get. The redemption of our bodies. Here's what he's talking about. He says, when you trust Christ as your Savior, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you've done that, then the Scripture says the Holy Spirit, God Himself, comes to live inside each person who's made that decision and that commitment. And it's kind of like a down payment of something that is yet to come. It's a down payment. It's not the whole thing. It's like God has made a first installment 
of your salvation. He has saved your soul. But he hasn't saved your body. So inside he's regenerating us, but our body is decaying and still breaking down. Because all of, all of the world is under this curse. God sent Jesus into the world to give us a new heart. But he said, I'm not going to do anything yet about the body. And so our, our bodies are breaking down. And this is why we feel sick. This is why we feel bad. Because we were born and our body is still subject to decay. But then he gives us a little bit of good news. Verse 24, for in this hope, he says, we were saved. What, what hope? Makes us ask the question, what hope? It's, he's talking about the hope of our future adoption. There's a connection between you and God that apparently has not happened yet. And it, it's going to happen where you, it will impact you physically, your physical body. Something is going to be different when God wraps up time in history. And so he's, he's pointing about some good news. There's something good to look forward to. He's saying, look, there's hope. The reason things are not fulfilled yet, the reason things don't get better right now, the reason everybody doesn't get healed, the reason every time there's not a happy ending, is because we're hoping for something in the future. We, we have, we're longing for something that is yet to come. If it all worked out, then there would be nothing to hope for in this world. We live in the meantime. We're stuck, in, suspended in the meantime, in this world of hope. And that is difficult, because this is where we live our lives. And we recognize there's all of this stuff hanging in the balance that we don't feel all that good about. And that we still have to go to bed at night, and we, we have to bear the pressure of... But there's something to hope for. And he's trying to, Paul's trying to say, there's something else to hang on to. And that's the second dot there that is trying to be communicated. He's saying, in the meantime, you know, in, in the beginning sin entered the world. In the meantime, though, we can have hope knowing that God is with us. Paul's trying to help us lean or latch on to God as we're walking through painful times. And he goes on in verse 25 and he says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And this is not easy. None of us can say, you know, I'm just being patient, waiting for God to make everything better and, and, and fulfill everything that I'm longing for and, and make things right. It's hard to be patient. And verse 26, it says in the same way, the Spirit, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It says, we do not even know what, to, what we ought to pray for. Have you ever been in the situation that he's describing here? Where things are so bad and things are so bleak that you, you get on your knees to pray and nothing comes out. You don't know what to say. You're at the end of yourself and you're saying, God, I do not know what I'm even supposed to communicate here. I don't, I don't know how to get the help I need. And God says, in that moment, I'm with you. I'm totally beside you. You're weak, he's saying. You're caught right. You're caught in the right now. And, and again, we're trying to connect the dots in life and saying, in those moments, this is what the verse promises, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. God recognizes that sometimes life is so low, you can't even utter a word. That sometimes the pain is so great, all you can do is cry out. And God's just saying, I want you to know this. You might be struggling to keep faith, 
but I, I'm, I'm right beside you. I'm praying for you. It's not just that he brings us comfort through his spirit, but he actually is interceding. He gets as close to us as possible without taking the pain away. And that's, a, that's the picture of intercession is God is doing all he can to bring you support, although he won't completely take the pain away. And it may seem like he's a thousand miles away, but God in those moments, he wants to draw near and help us. And ultimately, it's not even completely our fault. It might not even be our fault at all in the, in the moment. All of us, like we said, like we looked at, we're just a victim of this world. You were born into this world, and now you're facing the consequences of decisions. Some of which you have made, and we bear consequences, but some... Sometimes we're just bearing the consequences of, of the fact that we're in a broken and fallen world. Verse 27, he says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Then he quotes this verse, and he moves us from in the meantime, where we're suspended, the right now, and he moves us to the future. He begins to move us to the end. Verse 28, and he speaks with some confidence here. And we know that in all things God works. And I like to pause there for a minute. Because Paul, he, he's saying, I know the Old Testament. I know the men and women that have walked with God. I know people who are with Jesus. And here's what I know. He's saying that in all things God will work. In death he works. In suffering he works. In joy he works. In pain he works. When things work out, he still works. When things don't work out, he's, he's working. And he continues, for the good, he works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now this verse comes in a context of a bigger thing. We looked at the passage. This verse does not make sense apart from how, how it fits into the fact that sin entered the world and has broken everything down. And now in the meantime, we're stuck in this we're suspended in, the, in, in pain and in suffering in this breaking down world. God is saying, I'm with you. But he's saying, there, you know, there is good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So even when our life seems upside down, God, God can do something. Now, again, like I said in the beginning, knowing these things doesn't always make us feel better. Actually, most of the time it doesn't make us feel all that much better. It may not change our emotions much at all. But what it can do is it can change our perspective, which drives, it's like, a, it's like a train engine car that moves us forward. And, you know, that caboose is kind of like our feelings that come and it follows that engine car. So we want to lock on to the right perspective. This is, this is why truth is so important. And that's why spotting these deceptions can keep us from getting off track. And God's saying, look, I love you. He's saying, I'm still, I still love you. You're my child. You were born into a world that has, since the beginning, has been cursed. And in the meantime, you've got to face forward and wait patiently. And I'm interceding. And again, there's no answer to take the pain away. Look at the next verse though. Verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That means God is working something out in our lives. He's trying to turn us and to change us into becoming more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. It goes on, says that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified. Which means he gave them right standing with God. There's a process that God has taken us through. And sometimes we, you know, we're like, so you're saying that, you know, I'm weak, 
Is it, is it okay if I'm weak and I've got all this junk going on? And God's saying, yeah, I'm still working out a process in your life. It's painful now. And, and y'all want to jump down a little faster because I want you guys to watch this next video. Verse 31 says, What shall we say then in response to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And all of a sudden, Paul reminds us of another significant event in time, in between the in the beginning and in the meantime, when he sent his own son to demonstrate once and for all that he loves us. To demonstrate and answer the question, do I love you? Do I care about you? Am I good? Am I just? He demonstrated that through offering up his son. The problem is, we live in the meantime still. Could God end all pain and suffering? We don't have time to really answer that question, but absolutely He could. He, Jesus proved he would, he would heal a blind man. He would heal a lame man. He actually, in fact, healed, or He rose Lazarus from the dead. And He kind of said, you know, I'm going to do this right here and now, but that stuff, this is just a little taste of that. That is in the future. It's not for, it's not for, it's not for now. In the meantime, He's saying, I, I'm with you. Will God end pain and suffering? Yes, absolutely. God will end all pain and suffering. The whole scripture points us towards the end. And that's the wait for. That's the third major dot that Paul's trying to communicate to us. In the end, all things will be made new. And all things will be made right. God will restore relationships to the way he originally designed. He will restore creation that is now groaning under the pains He's going to do that. But in the meantime, he wants us to hang on to perspective so that we can endure through the pain. And you know what? I, I, I have not walked through too much pain, but I've walked alongside some people and experienced and, and watched and observed people who have been through the valley of the shadow of death. And they come out on the other side and they, and they say, God, I trust you. I believe in you still. I have full confidence in you. It still hurts, but I'm going to hang on to you in the midst of my pain. You're still in control. You're still faithful. And I'm going to rest knowing that. Let, let's take a look at this next video. This, just to give you a little bit of um, context for this, this is a video from Angie Lamberth. And again, this is from a longer video interview that was done. And so there's a lot more that we weren't able to show just for the sake of, of time. And so... Um, there's a lot of details that um, that are that are in there still, and so I'm sure that you can ask her to fill in, in some of the details if you'd like to learn more about it. But let's take a look, and then I'm going to close our time in prayer. So we've been married for almost ten years, and um, Mark and I had six-year-old son, Owen, who's now eight, and we were in the process of adopting a little girl, we hoped. It's Friday morning, and um, I have to go to work. No one has to go to school. I don't know, we had some extra time, and it was really nice before I went to work. We sat right here on the couch, and um, just the three of us sat there and like, had some time, like, settling and just being together before I ran off to work for the day. 
and that is just like really to me right now I hold on to that it's so special that um, it wasn't like the typical hurry get ready scoot out the door you know and he was going to go spend the day um, test riding some dirt bikes at this track um, he didn't have a motorcycle um, I actually always told him I didn't want him to get a motorcycle because I wanted to keep him I really didn't want him to go, but you know, it's one of those things that like, I have to hold back a lot of those worries and fears. And and I just like got this feeling and like it just caught me off guard. I set my phone down on the desk before, you know, turning off the ringer and right when I set it down, it rang. Phone rang and it was um, some guy, I don't know, I didn't recognize the phone number. He was saying, uh, is this Angie Lambert? Are you married to Mark Lambert? And, uh, he's been hurt. And I was just thinking, oh, you know, like, well, no, he's been hurt. But, you know, to me at that point, I'm like, oh, you know, he broke something. Um, and just what he said, he said he could send her his jaw. Um, but he's unconscious. thinking is, he's just hurt, I just hate to think of him hurting. I do remember very clearly standing in the doorway to the emergency room and seeing Mark, and I mean, they said, you know, he's in a coma, and who knows what you feel when you're in a coma, but um, to me, it just seemed like he was, it seemed like he was hurting. That's when it started to hit me that it was beyond serious. It was possibly death. I was even like all those tears and the you know all that fear on the way, and it's beyond. Uh, it's beyond that. The hospital was ready to release him. You know they were just ready to let him go. Either we let him, you know, stay in the hospital, or they were going to let him, you know, become branded very soon, or send him to the next hospital where um, they would go ahead and perform a craniectomy and try to get some pressure off his brain. I knew God could do it. I knew that uh, Mark could be completely healed. Um, I knew that God might not do it, you know, and, um, and so we were just praying, you know, the whole time for that miracle, you know, that we know, you know, you can God, and, um, it would be awesome, you know, like, people would look at the story and be like, wow, you know, like, look what God did, and, um, so that's, like, what we fought for, I just remember, like, getting the call, you know, that he successfully made it, and, um, he did really well on the transfer over and uh, you know like we like friends it was Sunday morning so lots of our churches were praying for the transport and um, it was it was a huge success it was a like one of the little miracles that we were looking for along the way and um, we were just so thankful for that where I have seen God heal miraculously and I had seen people die, you know. I just knew that it it happens and it doesn't. At, at, a, at some point, they came back and said, yeah, he's brain dead. 
and um, I didn't believe it. You know, I thought, you know, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm just totally off. But I just really didn't feel like he's right dead. You know, we've been praying so hard and um, believing that God can, and just to start to accept, even though you know that he might not, start to accept that maybe he's not. Just, uh, you know, he died. And um, just being there, and um, that is just the most heartbreaking sight I've ever seen. You know, just his last breath. And, um, I, um, without God in that moment, I think I would have died. I mean, I...
why would this happen to him? You know, like, it would have been great if, um, you know, God had answered the prayers the way that we were all asking him to. I understand that that things, you know, happen, you know, to Christians, to non-Christians, to people that are, you know, wonderful and people that are terrible. You know, we just live in a broken world. You know, God didn't intend for us to die. God didn't intend for, um, you know, disease and, you know, accidents and injuries and um, us to have to go through this. And I just know that he can, he could have healed Mark, he can heal, he does heal. Um, and so it was hard that it wasn't, it, it wasn't the way it worked out. Mark has it really good. I mean, I know at first, you know, people say, oh, he's in heaven, and it's so great. And I would feel like this feeling in my gut, like, don't say that to me, you know? Because Mark, it is great, but it's not comforting. You know, like, I know that he's in heaven. I know that that's what we believe. Um, but he wasn't ready to go. It's just, it's amazing that in, you know, in the middle of suffering, you're able to... Um, just have a perspective that extends, you know, beyond the moment, um, you know, beyond your present life, and um, even even into death. And then you get to that verse where it's saying God works everything together for good. And, and I just feel like a lot of times people want to make it just that easy, you know, like, oh, well, you'll see, you know, it, this will all, you know, make sense in, in a year or two. And one day, yes, we we may know. You know, when we're in heaven, maybe maybe things will um, be revealed to us. You know, and we'll see that um, there were good things that came out because of this. That's just, <clears throat> like I said, that's just, you don't really even get, you know, it's just scratching the surface on some of the pain um, that Angie has experienced, um, some of the tears, I and mean, that's just a small bit of it. And, but yet there's a perspective that, is, that, it, that she's able to have in the meantime that is helping her move forward. It's not easy. There's still tremendous pain. And um, our, our, our hope is that this, these videos and message and God's Word really has brought some perspective and can help you, can come alongside you in your pain. There's people that are walking through things, that have walked through things similar, harder than you, that, that want to, that want to um, help you endure as well. So let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, would you please, in, in all of our pain, through your Holy Spirit, would you assure us of your presence and of your care and of your purposes, of your love? God, many, many here are stuck in the meantime, hurting and wondering why. And Lord, I pray that today, they, you, through your word, 
through some of the big things you've cleared up for us, they might have some perspective that they can um, that they can use that would strengthen them to bear up under the way that they feel, the way that their emotions want to lead them down the wrong road. Lord, I pray you'd protect our mind, protect our thinking. Lord, help us not to buy into some of the lies from the enemy, the ways that he would want to twist what is true. Lord, help us to spot the truth. Thank you for those testimonies and the way that they have identified what is true, Lord, amidst all their pain, Lord. That, that brings us real encouragement to see others do that, Lord. And um, we love you, God. And, and for those that don't know you, that are here, Lord, I pray you continue to draw them into a real relationship with you, Lord. And that maybe even through this and through bringing up some of the things they might be going through, Lord, that they might turn their lives to you and surrender. Love you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.